Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. And I don't know about you, but I'm in a mood to fight. I'm in, I'm in a mood to, to get some business done today, so I don't have time to play. If you all have, uh, have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 4. We're going to go into, into some warfare today. And I believe that is what God is requiring of this hour, is that we war. That we are in an atmosphere, in a season of war. Whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, you are in an atmosphere of war. And you are either a combatant or collateral damage. And you have a choice which one you want to be. But if you have James chapter 4, we're reading from verses uh, 4 through 10. And I'm going to do my best to, to deliver this to you as, as God has given it to me. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want, I want to see some victory. I'm tired of coming to church and leaving the same way. I'm tired of seeing people coming to the altar every week with the same issue, unchanged and untransformed. God is wanting to do some business up in here and to challenge the enemy who's been coming up in his face all this time. He wants to, he's tired of it and he wants to see some business done, some victories won today. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I want to read verse number seven because from there I'll primarily be taking my thought for today. Which simply says this, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Today I want to preach to you a message simply entitled submissive resistance. Now, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but look at your name and just say submissive resistance. We're going to practice some submissive resistance. I don't know what you came in here fighting today, but I know everyone is fighting something. And the Lord wants to equip his body, equip the church with the tools to overcome the enemy that is attacking them and enslaving them to the bondages and ravages of sin and of, of demonic and satanic power. And today God is saying, I'm not having it because now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I tell today that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. To speak, to preach the, the, the word of the Lord to the captives. To, to preach the word of liberty to those that are bruised and those that are bound today. That God has wanted to see freedom for the saints. And so I'd like you to join with me in, to, in prayer today to ask for his spirit to do the work. I can do nothing. I don't want to come to you with enticing words or man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the power of the spirit of the almighty God. 
Let us pray today. Heavenly Father, first of all, we acknowledge you as being a man of war. That your word says, O God, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. O Father, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the commander of heaven's armies, we give you preeminence and free course to wage war in this atmosphere, to attack and to combat, to destroy, to dismantle, to scatter, to annihilate, to obliterate, to extricate anything that is unlike you, to destroy every high thing and idolatrous thing that is in this house. I come after every unclean spirit within my hearing, every demonic power that has reared its head against the body of Christ, against the church of the living God. I call you out in the name of Jesus and I declare war against you in Jesus' name. You will not hold the body of Christ captive. You will not hold us in slavery, but we right now declare war and we declare liberty and freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory for the victory that is assuredly already ours. We give you all the honor and in Jesus' name, somebody in here, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. The world watched in horror as the nation of Israel was attacked by the terrorist organization Hamas. We witnessed unparalleled evil likened unto the Nazis who slaughtered the Jews in the Holocaust. Some six million Jews were massacred and butchered like cattle. We were seeing an unparalleled evil being unleashed on the nation of Israel as families were butchered. They were shot down in their homes. Babies were shot down. Bodies were paraded in the streets as if they were nothing. And I want to, this obviously begs the question as to why. How on earth could any human being justify such vile and despicable acts of evil and to fully understand the the evil that we're seeing from Hamas understand their justification their reasoning behind why they're doing the things that they're doing in the nation of Israel we actually have to go back to the book of Genesis turn with me now to Genesis chapter 1 and we'll be reading verses 27 through 28 a verse that we're all familiar with but I believe it gives us some insight as to why we're seeing such calamity in the nation of Israel and in our world, the wars in Ukraine and all the wars and conflicts that we are seeing being raised across the globe. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We see in scripture from the beginning that God put inside of mankind's heart to subdue, to seize control and to have dominion over the earth. David put it this way in Psalm 8, 4. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put Uh, Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. That we see here in Scripture that God put inside of man this mandate. This is within every human being's programming to subdue the earth and to have dominion over it. 
and through the temptation of Adam and Eve that Satan, uh, he worked against them. He was able to take this desire, take this godly mandate and to pervert it and twist it to his own ends as a tool against humanity itself. For although God gave man dominion and he gave man the commission and the mandate to subdue and have dominion over everything that creeps and lives upon the earth, he did not give man dominion over other human beings. He only gave it over all the creatures that God had created, over all the animals, the the fowls in the air, the fish in the sea, and the the beasts that walked the field. But he did not give man dominion over himself or over mankind. He said to do the earth, to do all the living creatures. And Satan took this desire through sin and he perverted God's directive. And through sin's perversion, Satan's cultivations of man's lust for dominion exceeded the parameters of creation. And instead, it sought for dominion over each other. Within human beings is the desire to dominate, is the, the desire to subjugate, is the desire to exert authority and to exert dominion. But because of sin's corruption, man stopped looking at creation itself and started looking at each other. And you see throughout the narrative of history that from empire to empire, mankind has subjugated itself in the most inhumane and cruel ways. The Egyptians, they enslaved the Hebrews and enslaved the Israelites. Then there was the Assyrian Empire who conquered the nations through brutality and slaughtering one another. We then see the Babylonians, how they conquered and they they exercised their authority through force and through butchering people. The Persians did the same. The Greeks did the same. The Roman Empire did the same. They enslaved thousands and millions and put them in bondage and chains and yokes up. They beat them. They brutalized them and made them like cattle. Made them the same value as beasts of the field instead of the value of the image of God whom God had created them to be. And we see this even amongst the Chinese, the Han Dynasty. They conquered through force. They conquered through violence. They exerted dominance and they subjugated one another. Then, of course, we see in modern history the Nazis, how they dominated the world stage and conquered Poland and conquered the Jews and massacred and butchered and brutalized and did all sorts of horrendous, despicable, deplorable acts of evil. Because man has a desire to dominate. It has a desire to have dominion. It has a desire to subjugate. Man has enslaved, abused, exploited, stolen, and destroyed those who they think are beneath them and should be subjugated. This subjugation comes from uh, a bad self-esteem image in that we think that we are better than others and others are worthless and that gives us the right to treat them like garbage. Every empire, you from the beginning of the human race, had this at some point in their mind, this idea, I am better than someone else, and this gives me the right to treat them however I want to, to enslave them, to abuse them, to rape them, to molest them, to chastise them, to enslave them, to whip them, to do with them as I see fit, to light them on fire, to offer them to my idols and to my gods, to do as I please, because I am better than everyone else. This ideology of subjugation always manifests itself through violence and through force. They conquered and they demanded all these empires. They conquered and demanded submission to their rule through force. And this brings us now back to our modern day situation, Hamas or Hezbollah or Al-Qaeda or ISIS, whatever, whatever regime you want to look at, they are no different. They have a similar ideology. It is the same 
in the religion of Islam. Now the, the media has gotten this idea, has propagated this idea that this is a political war. That this is a war for the freedom of those who live in Gaza. That they need their own state to govern themselves. Of course, this is a lie. This is not about land. This is not about having a two-state solution. Throughout history, the Palestinians were offered a two-state solution from the Oslo Accords and other uh, agreements. But they rejected them all. It has nothing to do with gaining the land. It has everything to do with destroying Israel. And the reason why is because their religion commands them to do so. Islam teaches anti-Semitism and hatred against the Jews. And the whole idea of Islam is to subjugate and to dominate. The word Islam literally means submission to the will of Allah. If you're a Muslim, the word Muslim literally means one who has submitted themselves to God. The whole ideology of the, of the faith, of the philosophy, and the religion is domination and subjugation that Islam must dominate and it dominates through violence. We see this in their exemplar, the founder of the faith, Muhammad, that he also, the way he started the faith was through subjugation. He was a warlord. He, he waged jihad and military campaigns and that is how Islam initially spread was through war and through violence and through conquering. And the fact of the matter is that the primary demand that man desires is to have one submit themselves under his control, which is why we are seeing Hamas do the things that they are doing to the nation of Israel. However, there is a king who gained control of a terrain so rugged that no army could traverse it, not cities or nations, but that of the human heart. And he did not conquer this insurmountable obstacle through violence or through force or through might or through power or through weapons or through armies, but he did it through something else. That while he did it through something called submission. He did it through something called submission. Now this is completely contrary and antithetical to what we would think whenever we think about subjugating and dominating and winning the fight. But Jesus, who was the King of kings and Lord of lords, he did not fight through force, but he fought through submission. That the reason why Islam spread, as I said earlier, was because of through force and military might and conquering the people. And if you did not want to convert to Islam, you had to pay the jizah and pay the tax and say that your religion, your faith is inferior to Islam. While Muhammad conquered through violence and killing his enemies, Jesus conquered the hearts of his opponents through humility and dying for his enemies. Matthew 20, verse 27 says, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That Muhammad, he waged war. He used weapons and swords and, and arrows and bows. But Jesus brought no weapons, but instead he put himself in a position of submission and he came to serve those that were lost. And by putting himself in this servitude, he was able to conquer the hearts of the most intransient, the most absent people that you could possibly imagine. He fired no guns, had no army, had no weapons. He, he enslaved no one, yet they all called him Lord and they all called him Master. God waged a different kind of holy war that was not against political tyranny, but against the wickedness of men's hearts. And here's the funny thing, folks. He did his best work when he was in a position of submission in the form of Christ. We think that if you're in a submission position, if you're, let's say you watch UFC and you get in like a submission hold, which is a hole where you can't get out. And if you, you don't submit or say something, you're going to lose a limb or something's going to get broken. 
Jesus put himself in a submission position. He put himself in the most weakest, the lowest form you could possibly could be in. And through that position was able to conquer the enemy, the prince of darkness himself. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and give him a name which is above every name. I want you to understand something, how amazing, how big and how bad our God is. Jesus told the weakest form, he chose the weakest form to beat the enemy. He said, I'll give you a handicap, I'll put my my health down to zero and I'll still beat you, devil. I'll put myself in the weakest, the lowest form and you still cannot take me and still not beat me. It says that he humbled himself. Typically, you fight on your legs. You fight on your feet with your hands up. Jesus laid prostrate on a cross. And prostrate, he conquered death, hell, and the grave through submission, through humility. The Greek word there for humble, where it says he humbled himself, is tapanuo, which means to bring oneself low. To abase oneself. He chose the form, the lowest form. He took on the form of a bond servant or a slave. He chose the lowest rank you could think of as a baby. And yet that baby caused the devils in hell to tremble and run. Jesus did his best work in a position of submission in the form of the man Jesus Christ and the form of human flesh that in this submissive position of serving others he cast out devils in a position of submission he healed the lame and caused the blind to see in a position of submission he walked on water and calmed the storm and the waves in the form of a bond servant. He resisted by submitting the the flesh under the spirit and the will of almighty God. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Incredible that in submission, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. I want you to see something here about our warfare that we are fighting because I'm trying to equip you. We got to fight the way Jesus fought. We think it's through our own intelligence, our own uh, abilities, our own skills that we're able to defeat our adversary. No, we must rely on the Holy Spirit. We must fight the way that our master fought and the way our master fought was through submissive resistance. First Peter chapter five. I want you to see something here. First Peter chapter five, verse four. Peter speaking says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit, and that the Greek word there is hupotasso. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, the word hupotasso, it, it is a military term in the Greek. It means to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. 
It means to get in line and stand at attention, ready to receive commands to wage warfare. From a military standpoint. From a civilian standpoint, in non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying the burden. The Bible says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be hupotasso, subject one to another, and be clothed, be clothed with humility. Now, when we read that, we don't really think very much of it. But the Greek word used for clothed, I'm going to try and read this definition for you. It literally means this, not or band by which two things are fastened together, to fasten or gird oneself. This was the white scarf or apron of slaves. When it says to clothe yourself with humility, it's saying put on the, the, the garment of a slave, which was fastened to the belt of the vest and distinguished slaves from freemen. Hence in 1 Peter 5, 5, gird yourselves with humility. As your servile garb means by putting on humility, show your subjection one to another. Also, this refers to the overalls which slaves wore to keep clean while working in exceedingly humble garment. He's saying, put up, clothe yourself with humility. Put it on, put on a slave's garment. Submit yourself. Hupatasso, subject yourself one to another. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, For God resisteth the proud and giveth more grace to the tapenos, which is the same Greek word in different tense that we see used to describe Jesus. When the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself, it said that he, he clothed himself. He took on the form of a bond servant, right? Remember? A slave's garment. And it was in a slave's garment that he waged war against the enemy. And the Bible says here that you're to submit yourselves one to another and to clothe yourself with a slave's garment. Put on an armor like Jesus wore when he fought the devil. I'm going somewhere with this. He says, for God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. There's the thing. The garment you're wearing is the wrong garment. The, the, the armor you're wearing is the wrong armor to fight against the enemy because you're wearing the spirit of heaviness. You're in the garments of sorrow. You're wearing your depression. You're wearing your problems. But the Bible says, cast all your care upon him that care for you and put on a garment of humility. Put on a garment of servitude. And then he goes on to say, uh, in verse number eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Notice there's the submission and that there is the resistance. That first you must be submitted unto God by putting on a garment of humility and being humble before you can go and wage war against the enemy. Now what's very interesting here is that we see the same word that's used resist in this verse is the same word that's used to describe what we do when we're fighting against the enemy in Ephesians 6.13. Look at Ephesians 6.13 which says this, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. That word withstand is the same Greek word that's used to describe resistance in 1 Peter 5 in the evil day and having done all to stand. We tend to think of the armor of God as being this super shiny, flashy thing that we put on. says, oh, I'm the man. I'm anointed. I'm bishop, prophet, apostle, so-and-so, and I'm doctor, whoever, and I need deacon no good to carry my briefcase when I come on the stage. I need a procession. I need the music to play. I need everyone to stand up when I walk inside the sanctuary because I've got the armor of God and I'm big and bad and I'm, 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 I'll punk everyone out because I'm, I'm so anointed. We think we got the armor something shiny, something attractive. But the armor of God is not something shiny, attractive. It is humility. To 
way you get under the armor is through subjugation or through humility. You cannot put on the helmet of salvation without recognizing that you're a low-down, dirty sinner. You cannot put on the breastplate of righteousness without realizing that your righteousness is as filthy rags. You cannot walk in God's peace without humility and know that God is with me. You cannot put up the shield of faith and trusting in the might of God without humbling yourself, without submitting yourself, without subjugating yourself to the will of the divine God. You can't walk in truth without humility, without subjecting yourself. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have crucified the flesh. I've died to myself. I put on a slave's garment to go do warfare with the enemy. Y'all need to lose that Kunta Kente spirit and stop saying your name is Toby. Your name ain't Toby. This slave resistance is not going to come through pride and arrogance. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. For I am the vine, and ye are the branches, and without me ye can do nothing. The way you resist the enemy is through subjecting yourself. Submissive resistance when you're submitted and walking in humility walking fully and completely trusting in the might and the power and the grace of the holy spirit that is when you're equipped to fight and wage war against the enemy but no you want to fight the enemy with your intellect you want to fight the enemy with psychology you want to medicate your problems you want to drink your problems away you're fighting a devil and you're using weapons that will not work God is calling this generation to humble himself, subject himself under the cross. Now, told you're supposed to submit, you're supposed to subject yourself, but why? Why should I? Why, why should I submit myself to God? The answer comes in Ephesians 5.20. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting. Hupatasso, the same where we saw in 1 Peter 5. Submitting yourselves, one to another, in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That same word, Hupatasso, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and his Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the, the church is Hupatasso, subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Here's the answer, folks. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. The reason why my wife submits unto me is not because I'm the biggest and I'm the baddest or I'm the most handsome or the most intelligent or the strongest. It's because I have wooed her. I have romanced her. I have sacrificed for her. I have loved her into submission. I'm going to be so good to you that you're going to want to follow my leadership. I'm going to show you how much I care for you so that you'll trust my decision making. And Jesus, when he came to fight the enemy, when he came to fight against the devil, he was clothed in humility and the weapon he wielded was love by his word. The Bible said that when he saw the, the, the multitude that they were without a shepherd it says he was moved with compassion he was moved with love it was love that caused Christ to come down from the grandeur and the splendor of heaven and become a slave to go and fight the enemy it was love that fastened Christ to the given of the cross and caused him to be suspended between heaven and earth it was love that lifted me love that lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me when nothing else no 
one else. No Prozac, no psychologist, no intellect could save me. It was love. God's love, his unmerited favor. He has wooed me in his submission. He didn't scare me to an altar. He showed me the holes in his hands. He showed me the hole in his side. He showed me the nail prints in his feet. And that called me to say, God, I love you more than anything. Because I only love him because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God committed his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Submissive resistance. The reason why Christianity spread throughout the entire Roman Empire, the strongest empire it was, and eventually dominated it. It did it without a single soldier. It did it without a single army. No arrows, no swords. All they did was they died for their enemies. What a strange way to fight a war. Typically when you fight a war, you want to kill more of them than they kill of you. But these Christians, these crazy Christians, said, I love this Roman centurion so much, I'm going to let him light me on fire. And pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, now that's crazy. That sounds like we're losing, but Jesus conquered more in his death than he did during his lifetime. Do you understand? When we die for Christ, we die to ourselves and we submit ourselves to God. God is able to use that for far greater. For far greater. Turn with me now to James 4. I'm going to try and wrap this up. James 4 verse 4. The background behind the book of James is an interesting one. The writer of the book of James is actually Jesus' own brother. It was written sometime between 40 AD and 60 AD by what we know from scholars. It was written by Jesus' own brother. Now, James is starting, he kind of has a, you read this, but you can tell he's kind of got a little, little attitude when he's, 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 he's reading this book. He is writing to Jews who have recently been persecuted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They, they are starting to scatter now throughout Judea. They were focused in Jerusalem. They're now starting to scatter. And throughout the book, you can see like James has this, this kind of this axe to grind and he starts blasting them. He starts coming at them. He said, hey, how come whenever rich people come in your church, you, you, you give them all the attention, but you know these poor, lowly, humble folks. Right? You give respect to the person with the gay clothing, the Bible says in James chapter 2, but you ignore these other humble folks and that God has no respect to the persons. And then you say you have faith, right? And you say, oh, go be warned to be filled, but show me your faith, by my, by, uh, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works, James says, right? says, for faith without works is dead. He's just talking about this faith in this humility thing. And then in, the, in James chapter 4, the beginning of the chapter, he starts talking about how ye war and you lust and you, you want stuff and you kill and you desire to have but you can't have it. Right? You ask, yeah, you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you ask amiss so that you may consume it upon your lusts and your desires. He then says now in verse 4, James 4, ye adulterers. Look at the language here. That's one way to start off a message. <laughs> ye adulterers, you cheaters, you two-time and low-down dirty dog, you. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity. Enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Whosoever will be a friend of the world 
is the enemy of God. Now that word enemy is the same word that's used in Romans 8, 7, which says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it's hostile. The word there, enmity, literally means a hatred towards God. Here's the reason, folks, why you're losing in your battle. One, you won't submit. And the reason why you won't submit, because you have a carnal mind that is hostile and that hates the things of God. It's a rebellious, unclean spirit that does not want to die to itself. But instead wants to, as James said in James 4, that it wants to feed its own lusts and consume its desires on its own lusts. It will not submit. It's an enemy of God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. James goes on to say, in verse number 5, he says, if you're a friend, I'm sorry, verse 4, if you're a friend of the world, you are making yourself the enemy of God. You're saying that you hate God. You're saying that you don't like God, that you're hostile towards him. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. This sounds exactly like what Peter said in 1 Peter 5. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves. And that word submit is the same Greek word we read throughout the entire, all the other readings I said. About subjugation, dying to yourself, submitting yourself, clothing yourself with humility. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, withstand the devil. It's the same word that's used to describe when we're fighting in Ephesians 6 in putting on the armor of God. The reason why the church is losing in its battle in holiness. The reason why the church has devils sitting in the congregation we don't even know it. And we are witches that are operating in our churches and we don't even know it. The reason why the church is, is, is indulging in horror movies and deviltry. The reason why the devil is running rampant and sinning this generation's minds is because we are relying on our own programs. We're relying on our own ideas to fight this war. But the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God are the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. We need to submit ourselves. That means clothe yourself with humility. Realize that the devil you're fighting, you can't beat him on your own. This problem that you're facing, you cannot solve it in your own strength. You cannot beat it by yourself. You've got to rely on God. Trust in God. Yield control unto God. Submit your will unto God. And when you do, God will give you a power and a dominion authority that surpasses anything else. You'll be elevated, promoted to a new rank that is higher than the highest general in the land. Because you have the, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. When you yield your sovereignty, when you yield your dominion and over your control over to God. And when you submit unto him, you're able to withstand the wind and the tide. You're able to withstand the attacks and the assaults of the enemy. When you submit and surrender my will to God. He says, submit yourselves, clothe yourself with humility. Put on the same armor, put on the same garment that Jesus put on when he waged war against Satan. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Ye double-minded, you who are straddling the fence. You will not make up your mind and say that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And fooling around with devils, drinking the cup of devils and trying to eat at the Lord's table. God is tired of it. No man can serve two masters. Either you'll love the one or hate the other. Make up your mind. Quit being lukewarm and not letting Jesus spew you out. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Yeah. 
He says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Humble yourselves. Subject yourself. Submit yourself unto God. Now I want to just clear, unclose this last thing. That submission is more than just saying, uncle, okay, you got me. It's more than just confession. It's, it's, a, it's an action. It's, it's, it's a doing. Because you could be saying all the right things and still not really truly be submitted unto God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, believe through verse 8, he said, you hypocrites, what did Isaiah speak of you? That ye honor me with your lips, but your hearts far from me. It's more than to say, I accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and this is my Bible, and it'll do what it's... It's more than that. It's more than having a sob story and crying rivers down at the altar. It's about it's a posture. When you say, Lord, when you say, jump, I'll ask how high. You say, go, I'm going wherever you say, go. I'm yours completely. It is an obedience. It's, it's an obedience. Look, look at this verse. Last verse I'm saying. Matthew chapter 21, verse 27. Matthew 21 verse 27 says this. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. Let me give you some context here. Jesus just come in. He's just, you know, he got the rope. The rope and started cracking the whip in the temple. Kicking people out. He's, he's teaching, doing his thing. The Pharisees are like, who gave you the authority to do this? He's just like, I'll tell you who. Um, I'll answer your question. You answer my question. Was John the Baptist, uh, baptism was it of heaven or was it of men? It's like, well, if we say it was heaven, then he'll ask, why didn't we believe in him? If we say that it wasn't of heaven, then the people will stone us because they think he's a prophet. So then they say in this verse, verse 20, uh, 26, they say, well, we can't tell. Verse 27, and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said to them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether the tw- them twain did the will of his father. They said unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe in him. We got all sorts of folks say, I love you, Jesus, more than anything. Got your torch or whatever, your lighter. But you have not done the will of God. Yeah, I'll go to the vineyard, Lord, and you just sitting on the couch watching Netflix. Yeah, Lord, I, I'll tell some about you. Yeah, Lord, I'll do this, I'll do that. You don't show up. You don't do anything. This is what Jesus said. He's in Matthew 7, 21. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, send to the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father. Right? He that does the will. God is commanding his church to subject themselves, to submit themselves, to get ready for war. And the way you get ready for war is by humbling yourself and putting on the garment of a slave, putting on the garment of the bond servant, putting on the helmet of salvation, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, getting the shield of faith, getting the, the loins, the belt of truth, getting the shoes of peace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You cannot wield or fight that without humility. I want you to examine yourself. Let's stand. Examine yourself. Am I relying on my own strength? Because God resists. It means he opposes 
the proud. The person says, I can do it myself. Me, myself, and I. Self-sufficient, Mr. Mrs. Independent. I'm that in a bag of chips. God is saying you need to humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, that is when you will be exalted. That is when you'll win the fight. You've been fighting an enemy. You've been getting in the ring and getting knocked and backed into a corner. And God is saying, if you would surrender, if you would humble yourself before me and stop relying on yourself, stop believing in yourself, stop just believing in your self nonsense, just believe in yourself and you can do anything. You can't do anything. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can save you. No, I don't believe in myself. I believe in Jesus. I trust him to get the job done. I can do nothing, but Jesus can. If you want to fight today, if you want to win the war, I guess I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're battling right now, but you're in a battle and you're backed in the corner and it's like the Alamo. You're, you're surrounded and there's nowhere else to run. You've tried everything and all of it has failed you. All of it has left you empty and void and miserable and depressed. And God is just saying, if you would just try me, if you would humble yourself and surrender yourself to me, submit yourself unto me, then you will be able to withstand and resist the devil. And when you do so, he will flee from you. That is what Jesus is saying to the church now. Submissive. We need to practice submissive resistance. Because when you do so, that is when victory is coming. I open these altars today and don't be like the second son in the parable of Jesus who said, oh yes, Lord, I will go to your vineyard and then don't go. The first guy, he said, I wouldn't go. He was fighting. He was resisting against God. He opposed the father, but eventually he recognized his necessity to be obedient and submit his will unto the father. And he eventually, the Bible says he repented. And he went. God is calling the church to repentance. And here's the thing, church. The reason why you should repent. The reason why you should forsake your ways. The reason why you should give your all to Jesus. Because Jesus gave his all to you. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 4 that surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes my god I feel the Holy Ghost with his stripes we are healed this is my prayer today I'm going to pray for a special anointing to come in this house this anointing is an anointing of love that you would you would experience the heartbeat of God. How desperately God is pursuing you and wanting to have a relationship with you. His passion for you. How he weeps over his children who are backslidden, who have not come to him, who have not surrendered to him. How he weeps over his children who have been abused, who have been molested, who have been abandoned, who feel like there's no hope. How he weeps and how desperately he wants to hold you and heal you.
but he cannot do so until you submit and surrender and yield yourself to him and the reason why here's why we won't submit why we won't surrender because we're afraid I don't want God to see this I want to stay in a place that feels safe I don't want to be intimate with God I don't want to open my heart to God because that's too much what if he judges me what if he hates me but God is saying I already know all of your stuff anyway and these things do not deter my love for you for I am persuaded that neither depth nor height nor principalities or powers or things present or things to come or demons or angels or death or life is able to separate us from the love of God was in Christ Jesus our Lord I pray today that the breadth, the width, the depth, the height, the full weight and measure of God's omnipotent love would saturate your very being to where it would cause you to bow and cry how great thou art. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, let your love even now saturate this place manifest yourself show this people this church how you laid down your life for it as the scripture says husbands to love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it I pray in the name of Jesus that the agape love of God would surround would envelop would saturate this place in the name of Jesus let the love of Jesus be commended unto you may the love of Jesus heal every wound may the love of Jesus fill every hole, every chasm, every void that's within your heart. May the love of Jesus consume you, draw you, and bring you to an altar of submission. May his love and his compassion, his mercy, his joy, his peace, his goodness, his loving kindness would draw you and bring you to the cross where he has died. Let it draw you now in the name of Jesus. May it pull you, his love, his goodness. He has not abandoned you. He has not isolated you. He has not rejected you. His arms are wide open. There's room at the cross for you. In Jesus' name, someone receive. I beseech you. I plead with you. Receive the love of Jesus. Receive the love of Jesus. He is not rejecting you. He is not your enemy. He is your savior. Stop fighting him. Stop resisting him. Surrender. Don't you understand how much God loves you? My God. Don't you understand how much God loves you? The the psalmist said, David said, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? If thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visits him. God loves you. And his love is so great. He loves you for rich and for poor, in sickness and in health. He loves you for better, for worse. And death cannot do you part because he is the resurrection. And he is the life. And if I should die, I shall be eternally united with my Savior and King. Woo, Jesus. Somebody in here needs to submit to God. You're bitter. You're angry, you're holding on to something, and you won't let it go. And God is saying, let it go. Give it to me. I'm pleading with you, somebody. Submit to God. In the name of Jesus, submit. In Jesus' name. Come on. 
Come while the master is near. Come. Come. The, the Holy Spirit, the bride and the spirit says come and lay your burdens down at the altar. Come and receive Christ today and submit unto him because he loves you.